This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. All right, let's speak to Restonic Sleep Specialist, Dr. Alison Bentley. And we're talking about sleep and how sleep affects your relationship. You know, the other day we were talking about morning people or night owls and how that can affect your quality of life and quality of sleep. One study by Ohio State University found that while sleep problems can boost inflammation and jeopardize interpersonal functioning, these risks may be magnified in couples. The Ohio State uh, Institute of Behavioral Medicine research study found that well-rested couples still had disagreements, but the way they handled them was different, approaching conflicts in a more constructive and collaborative manage, uh, man- manner. Right? Dr. Bentley joins us, and you can as well on 0861987000. Dr. Bentley, welcome to Power Lunch. Thank you. So, I mean, what is the importance of focusing efforts on quality sleep as a couple? Well, I think it's important that, to understand that, the, that most people's sleep is, is, has some genetic determinants that you can't change. Mm-hmm. Right. So some people, the majority of people need seven to eight hours, and that's great. If the two of you both need seven to eight hours, well, then that's fine. But if you, if you, for example, only need five hours of sleep, but your partner is saying, no, you must come to bed with me and you must wake up with me in the morning, well, that's going to be challenging because you can't actually get that many hours of sleep. I mean, it's just not genetically possible for you mm. to do that. Same thing if you're a lark or an owl. I mean, there are some people who are just born larks and they wake up at five o'clock in the morning, super cheerful, but they, need, they crash at nine, half past nine at night and can't make it past that. Whereas other people are night owls like myself, I can stay up till one o'clock in the morning, no problem, mm. but don't ask me to get out of bed before seven o'clock in the morning. Mm. Now, if you have a complete difference between those two, um, there's going to be some challenges to the relationship. What's most challenging is if one partner demands that the other partner fits in with their kind of sleep schedule, because then that other partner is never going to sleep well, just on that kind of schedule. So I think that we need to understand that people are just designed to sleep differently and they must be allowed to sleep differently to get the maximal benefit out of their sleep. Hmm. So potential implications on physical intimacy and the romantic aspects of the relationship. I mean, that's all going to bed on time or waking up on time. That can have a big impact, can't it? Yep. No, but it can, exactly. And the thing is that we know that what sleep does is kind of service the car and, the, you know, the, the, the body, service the body, service the brain. And if you don't sleep well or you're constantly trying to sleep longer than you should, you might think you have insomnia, which you don't. Um, I see a lot of patients who think they have insomnia, but they don't. They're just naturally short sleepers. Oh, wow. But it also, okay. Yeah, but uh-huh. it, also, it also means that you wake up in the morning and you're kind of grumpy. Now, I mean, if you're grumpy and, and also you're kind of going, I'm feeling grumpy and it's my partner's fault, well, that's not going to end well, I yes, feel. before disaster. You know. Mm, mm. So what role does empathy, mutual support, you know, those types of things um, for sleep-related challenges, what mm. role do those things play in maintaining a healthy, supportive relationship, Doc? Well, I think they're really important to understand that your partner may not have the same sleep requirements as you do or the same sleep timing. I mean, it's particularly important when it comes to sleep disorders, for example. So we're talking about normal sleepers. You know, and as young, if you're young, you can kind of 
adapt quite a bit and fit into somebody else's routine. But the older that you get, particularly in the 40s and the 50s, the more likely your sleep is to become quite rigid to where it needs to be. I mean, for example, it's the reason why over 50, it's much harder to do shift work because your sleep is unlikely to bounce back. Mm. You tend to be a lot more rigid in your sleep. Then as you age into that group, then you have snoring more likely to happen in the male partner. You also have menopause and women's sleep becomes a little more fragile. And so when you have a woman's sleep becoming more fragile just because of aging and a man more likely to snore, that's not a good combo either. Mm, mm. Well, let's talk about some of those aspects, right? Um, Like how cool it is in the room, how many blankets there are on the bed, mm. which can cause frustration for oh, partners yes. if, you're, if you kind of have different thermostats. No, absolutely. So, I mean, there are, there are people who have a high thermostat and they're running high. There are often people who find it easy to lose weight, for example, or easy to maintain their weight. And at night, they will often require very few blankets. Mm. Other people are kind of like, need to kind of hibernate, need lots of blankets because they have a low thermostat. And so, yeah, it can cause problems because one person needs a lot of blankets or that person needs to cuddle because they're cold and they need to cuddle. And the other person's going, I don't want to cuddle when I sleep. I want to be able to sleep on my own. All of those are issues that are kind of innate in us. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's, and, and they're not easy to fix. Okay, so can you give us some suggestions? Another thing I'm thinking about is is if there must be complete darkness in the room or if there and must complete be quiet. silence. Yeah. Yes. I can't yes. sleep in silence. Um, and so, so that has become an issue before. So, so maybe some pointers for all of those issues if you're trying to meet each other halfway. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. So the environmental issues as yeah. well, apart from the cold and hot, mm. it's light and sound. So I'm, I need quiet. Okay, my husband can sleep if there's like a war going on. I mean, it really doesn't bother him. <laughs> yeah. I'm very sensitive to sound, so I don't like that. I'm not so sensitive to light. So mm-hmm. it doesn't really bother me if the, if, the, if the window, if the light comes in in the morning. I can sleep through the birds. Like They don't even bother me at all. But other people are acutely aware of the birds, and so they want to cut out sound. Mm-hmm. So I think it is – and look, it's not a discussion generally that you have with partners before you start sleeping together. Yes. <laughs> So yes. You gotta go. Okay, so how are you with the light and the sound? How many blankets do you need? But do you need to go to bed be, early? <laughs> should it be well, one of those things on the third or fourth date? So let's discuss this. Should it be? Well, it might be. It might be something that you need to do, particularly if you are somebody who needs very definite kind of criteria to be able to sleep well. So if you're kind of going, I don't really care about the light, I don't really care about the sound, well, then maybe it's not a problem. You know, mm-hmm. but if you are somebody who needs like deathly quiet and absolute blockout, well, maybe you should speak to the part to your partner. I mean, look, I have seen partners who have come to me and going, we have just started sleeping together and we cannot do it. It just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that, that the, 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 the female partner is incredibly, incredibly sensitive sleep and actually has insomnia but didn't realize it. Because as long as they could control their environment, they were fine. Right. The minute you put somebody in, else in that environment, just breathing heavily, it was a problem. And I kind of went, dude, she's got to breathe. He's got to breathe. Okay, like he can't <laughs> stop breathing. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that is not a does problem. Does he have to, does he? <laughs> <laughs> but 
yes, if you're that sensitive, then bringing yeah. bringing a new person into your life, oh my gosh, that's yeah. challenging. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it so, is. So, so this then people come to a doctor like yourself, or you know, a, a, a couple's counselor or therapist. I mean, how how then in um, therapy do you address these issues? Well, it is often, if there's somebody who has very sensitive sleep and they're very light sleeper and they need to control all of these things, then often it's because they actually have a problem and their sleep needs to be made better, which we do via behavioral means. So honestly, sometimes it's a fact they're going, I have to be in bed by nine so that I can get enough hours. But if we push their bedtime till 10 or even half past 10, oh, they fall asleep a lot faster. Their sleep consolidates. It's less light. And so it just becomes better and they're less likely to be interrupted by their partner. So sometimes the person who's complaining is is actually the person with the problem. Can we talk about things like sleep apnea and other sorts of issues? Yes, don't try to sleep with that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What exactly is it and what other potential health issues affect your sleep? Okay, so, I mean, the thing about quality sleep is often people will complain and say, my partner is disrupting me and that's why I can't get quality sleep. But it is important to recognize there are two big sleep disorders which cause a problem with quality sleep. One, as you've indicated, is sleep apnea, and the other one is leg movements related to restless leg syndrome. Mm. So it can be really important to, and I have done with people and say, look, you're blaming your partner for all of this. How about you just sleep on your own for one night and see how you do? Mm. And they come back and go, no, I still sleep terribly. I go, right, it's not your partner. It's actually you that has the problem. So now let's look at what the problem might be in your sleep. So sleep apnea is an issue where the throat in the area behind the tongue collapses in on itself when you breathe in often related to aging, related to increasing weight, related to kind of blockage of nose or increased adenoids or tonsils or the jaw, there's, there's a whole, or reflux, there's a whole bunch of reasons why that collapse might happen. But what, when that collapse happens, really the only way that you can open up the throat and, and restore breathing is for you to wake up. Oh. So the brain wakes you up very briefly, often with a <clears throat> snorting kind of thing, jerking of the arms and the legs and you go straight back to sleep you don't even know that's happened your partner on the other hand if this is the first time they've witnessed this is sitting looking and going what what is going on this person is dying in the middle of the night good news is you're very unlikely to die because the brain will wake you up all the time but for the partner it can be very disruptive Mm. partly because they're lying there this it's related to snoring. So there's there's very few people with apnea that haven't got a long history of snoring. Mm-hmm. But in apnea, the snoring stops and there's this quiet patch for 10, 20 seconds. Um, and so the bed partner's sitting there going, "You, I don't know what's happening, but you, feel, you look like you're about to die. So it can be incredibly stressful for the partner, uh, you know, to, to actually witness the apneas at night. Sure, that is a lot. That is a lot. Um, okay, so now it says, I can't sleep without a radio or TV playing in the background. Once the sound switches off, I wake up. I'm exactly the same. What's no, wrong see, with that, us, Dr. Anderson? No, you see, that would freak me out. Like, there is no way that I could fall asleep with noise, with like a TV on or something like that. I couldn't do it. So, it, but, but, but what it does, so what it's doing is it's actually distracting you. and And so... It's really important that a lot of people who have, I don't want to call them overactive minds because they're kind of normal active, but they just 
are, are just can't just switch off their heads when they need to go to sleep. Mm. I mean, we all know people who can do fall asleep in 30 seconds. Like they just seem to like turn over, close their eyes and they're gone, right? And we kind of go, I don't know how you do that. Yeah. Those so people you, are God's you, favorite people. Well, exactly. So, mm. but And they always have been like that. But some of us need a distraction to be able to fall asleep. So distract our head, our mind so that our biology and our brain can actually do their thing and make us feel sleepy. Mm. So many people go to sleep, go to bed and they're not really sleepy. But if they read a couple of pages or they play solitaire on their, on their phone or they listen to some music or they listen to a podcast even, they find that that distraction is enough to allow them to be sleepy and then to be able to fall asleep. So that's not unusual. Mm. Waking up as soon as the noise ends is a bit unusual. Mm. See, now we are unusual, you and I. Um, and then Portia's saying, every other night, if you stay together and if you don't stay together, isn't it four times a week? I'm not sure what she's referring to. Did you no. mention something about four times a week, sleeping in the same no. room? Okay, I'm not sure what that is. But, no, um, no, no. So what I mentioned was, if you, if you think that the, the reason why you're sleeping badly is all because of your partner then what you should do is sleep on your own at least once so that you can tell if that is really true or not. Yeah, yeah. One I want yeah. to throw in that isn't partner-related necessarily, but is child-related, co-sleeping. Mm. Talk to me about the effects of co-sleeping on the child's sleep and on the, the parent's sleep. So, I mean, so I, again, it's a personal thing. So mm. co-sleeping works very well. Some people prefer it. And I mean, the thing is, we kind of go in, in upper middle class kind of circles. They kind of go, no, your child should have their own bedroom mm. and their own bed. And I understand the majority of the world co-sleeps, mm. the majority, because they only have one bed for the family. Right, and right. so the whole family sleeps in one bed. So it cannot be abnormal. Right. Does that make sense? But what is important is that if you do, if you choose to co-sleep, if you have the option to choose to co-sleep, then everybody must sleep. Yeah. Okay. It is not okay for to be co-sleeping because that's the only way the child sleeps through and the mother is hardly sleeping at all. That is not okay. Mm. Okay. Mm. I can't sleep with a baby in my bed. I've never been able to do it. And mm. so I've never done co-sleeping, not because I think there's anything wrong with it, but just because I, can't, I don't sleep. I just lie there awake. Yeah. So then I suppose it's about assessing what works for your sleep, trying to figure yep. out then what works for your collective sleep as the partnership, yep. as the family, as the baby, as the mum, as the dad, yeah. the works. There yeah. is no, I mean, there's no question that if you co-sleep, very often women use co-sleeping as a way to avoid intimacy with their partner. Okay, mm -hmm. that's not okay, right? That that is That is using it for all the wrong reasons. And if you do co-sleeping as a choice, then it's important to understand it's unlikely you're going to be able to get the child out of your bed until they're about three years old. Mm, mm. I mean, it's just very difficult. It's possible, but it's just very difficult to do it before then. So it's important to understand those kind of the, the kind of deal that you're entering into before, yeah. you, before you make that choice. This and if you have a child that is, uh, can only sleep in your bed and you're very unhappy about that, well, there is a way to teach your child to sleep in their own bed. Mm. Mm. But there's no absolute rule for everybody.
We're going to have to have that conversation uh, as well as I think more of these sleep um, specific conversations. Just the amount of response I'm getting mm. is is really great. Thank you very well, much for joining us this afternoon. It's a great pleasure. It's a great pleasure. I hope it was helpful. Thank you. It was. Dr. Alison Bentley, Restonic Sleep Specialist, talking to us about how sleep affects your relationships. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.